Good evening and welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. Evening, it's only 4.45 my time, but that time um, is being noted as just off of the rim of the Snake River Canyon. Snake River Lib actually podcasting from its home the, where it originated in Twin Falls, Idaho. I'm here to sing in a concert, actually a series of concerts this weekend. Um, with the church choirs here. Um, Thank you so much for listening, by the way, and welcome. I guess we should talk about um, the Georgia election that happened, the runoff that happened yesterday, um, to the surprise of literally no one. Herschel Walker lost. Now, I can say that I suppose that Herschel was not the best candidate. He certainly does not come off as articulate compared to the very smooth-talking slumlord Section 8 evicting during COVID, Reverend uh, Raphael Warnock, currently the incumbent senator and having just been re-elected, uh, will continue to serve in that role. Herschel was in the race only for one reason, not because he craved political power, which is why Warnock is there, plus he's a reliable vote for the progressives. <clears throat> Excuse me. Herschel did it because he was encouraged to by Donald Trump. Now, we've been pretty harsh on Donald Trump here um, lately, but if you were actually go back to the written lib, when the lib first started being um, documented, and you can find that my blog posts are still there, available, you can see that everything that I pointed out about Donald Trump prior to ultimately saying, I guess that's who we have to support, has pretty much come to fruition. I mean, Donald Trump is a wrecking ball. Um, In 2016, he wrecked the Democrat Party. The table was stacked against him, and we'll talk about all of that after the break. Um, But 2018, he lost a huge amount of seats uh, in the House of Representatives, maintained control of the Senate, 2020, he didn't get the House back. The Senate hung in the balance. He lost. And we've noted here the rationale that Trump is not being completely irrational in talking about how the election was fixed, even though we had no idea to what level the election was fixed until this past week. And boy, we're going to talk about that too. But the Senate still hung in the balance after the 2020 election, which Trump lost. Because both of the two Republican senators 
did not win 50% of the vote and we're going to runoffs. That's the law in the state of Georgia that if you don't win over 50%, meaning 50% plus one vote in the general election, then the top two candidates face a runoff. And so that's what happened. The Senate literally did hang in the balance with a Democrat House and a Democrat going to be occupying the White House on January 20th. And so what did Trump make the election about? Well, he made it about him, of course, because ultimately, and we've known this, it's always been about him, the fact that, the fact that while he was president, he put some excellent judges in. I'm, I'm not sure about how much I care about Kavanaugh, but Gorsuch, far and away, is the kind of justice that you want up there. And Amy Coney Barrett is a staunch uh, conservative constitutional voice right along with Thomas and uh, Alito. The Senate hung in the balance. And so Trump, in his whirlwind Georgia, what did he do? He trashed the Republican governor. He trashed the Republican Secretary of State uh, in Georgia for not getting him the votes necessary for him to have garnered the electoral votes of the state of Georgia. He trashed them. Mind you, Georgia alone would still have been a loss for Trump. Say that they were did a recount and that Donald Trump actually won the Georgia election. That would not have been sufficient to turn um, the national election over to Trump. That would not have been enough electoral votes. And so Trump's rallies were pity parties, rallying the troops. Now, of course, everybody, you had a certain group, of course, of people who follow Trump and do anything. I mean, he, he joked about it, but it was absolutely true. And he said he could go out there in New York, kill somebody in the middle of the street, and his supporters wouldn't bat an eyelash. But he did try to cut back regulation. He did pass the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of, or got it through 2017. And judges throughout the judiciary but during the runoff in 2020 Donald Trump proceeded to act like a Democrat in the worst way. And because of that, Loeffler and Purdue never stood a chance. In their runoffs. And so that's where 
That's where the Senate was lost, was because of Donald Trump. Fast forward 2022. We've mentioned Herschel Walker, but in reality, there's a lot of candidates. And I actually did catch part of Sean Hannity today, and he was talking about the fact that in this world, we're going to have to look at candidates on not on their ideological purity, but on their ability to advance the majority of your cause while getting votes and not alienating the middle. And too many of the candidates that were advanced, mostly by Donald Trump, alienated the middle. Now you have the fact that Trump's uh, businesses businesses were um, found guilty of tax fraud. Pile that on top of his willingness to trash the Constitution. And the fact that the Republicans haven't just told Donald Trump to pound sand is a little surprising to me. So, what happens? You now have a 51-49 Senate. Which means that Joe Manchin... and Kristen Cinema, to a certain extent, are not going to be able to force legislation to be moderated. That will allow, perhaps, for a vote eliminating the filibuster. Will Cinema and Manchin vote to support or to prohibit the elimination of the filibuster? I don't know. But if one of them says no, but the other one says yes, they can go to Kamala Harris as a tiebreaker. And you know where that's going. I'll be right back. And good evening. Welcome back to the Snake River Lib podcast. It is still... Oh, I forgot to mention the date because I was so caught up with the fact that I'm actually podcasting from the rim of the Snake River Canyon. I'm sorry. Today, December 7th, uh, is the 81st anniversary of the day that would live in infamy. The day when the Empire of Japan, in an unprovoked attack, destroyed a significant part of the United States Pacific Fleet that was at Pearl Harbor. And brought the United States into World War II. Mind you, we were already indirectly involved through Lindley's uh, with Britain and other allies. Russia. But this brought us fully in. 
the fact that people compare January 6th to what happened at Pearl Harbor is disgusting. Pearl Harbor generally united the American people to defeat the forces of darkness, the forces of totalitarianism. Well, I say that, but we worked with Stalin, so perhaps I'm overstating it. As we go forward, January 6th, which was an unarmed, largely, protest. The only person killed on January 6th was one of the protesters, an Air Force veteran, killed by a Capitol Hill policeman that was unprovoked as far as was not threatened when he killed her, and yet faced no charges, nor even an investigation. To compare these two instances is disgusting. But we're going to move on from that. It is what it is. Um, it turns out, we talked about the Twitter files. And we talked about the fact that... that uh, Twitter, along with Facebook, which we already knew because uh, Zuckerberg had already copped to it, had been working heavily with the FBI, with the DNC, and the Biden campaign to craft a narrative. Now, Robert Sullivan did a study. I'll see if I can find the link to that study. Um, where he talked about the fact that, that through the efforts of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google, Apple, etc., these uh, big tech um, corporations have the ability to sway tens of millions of votes. And nowhere is that more evident than the 2020 election. We know they tried to in 2016. Um, the FBI, Obama's FBI, by the way, that, that should be somebody that should be subpoenaed to ask if he had authorized the Department of Justice on this. Of course, the President Obama would say, I don't get involved in matters of DOJ. So then you bring in Loretta Lynch and ask what was going on. Now, fast forward to today, we had the Twitter thing going out, Twitter files, and they were supposed to be released over the weekend, but they were delayed. Now, there was a reason they were delayed. They were delayed because somebody at Twitter was vetting the files before the files were being given to Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi, or however his name is pronounced, I apologize for that. 
Now, somebody, a person named James Baker. Now, in case you are not sure or not aware, James Baker, Jim Baker, before he worked at Twitter, before he was a talking head on, was it CNN, I think, had essentially resigned to avoid being fired, or maybe he was actually fired, from the FBI. Jim Baker was the senior general counsel for the FBI during the Russian collusion of 2016, where the DNC had essentially given the FBI the, the Steele dossier, and the FBI pretended like it was legitimate, got FISA warrants to spy on the Trump campaign. Jim Baker was in on all of that. Well, we're discovering now because once Elon Musk found out that Jim Baker uh, had also worked at the FBI and was largely responsible for bringing the Russian collusion, thus hamstringing the Trump presidency, He fired him. I don't know what will happen with Twitter in the long run. Whether it is something that can be salvaged. I hope so. I kind of like going through the Twitter feed. But if nothing else, he has exposed... the collaboration between government and political entities and big tech against an individual, in particular Donald Trump, but more importantly, against anything that is going to challenge what the government says the narrative should be. And there's where the problem is. You see, big tech is protected, has immunity from liability in regards to what is put on their platforms. Because they are platforms. You know, and they've argued that they cannot be responsible for what people put on there. And yet, what did they start to do during the Trump years? They started to censor because it's hate speech or misinformation content on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Now, remember, Section 230, the FCC, whatever the code is, guaranteed them immunity because they were platforms and because they did not moderate content, you know, it was they were they were shielded because they were not responsible for the content that was on their platforms. But when you're going about censoring information or misinformation or or you're just putting 
putting it down because the political party that you're actually working for doesn't like it. In reality, do you still have that Section 230 shield? Because you're actually moderating content. And you're determining what goes on and what doesn't go on to your system. Jim Baker was slow walking the information in the Twitter files because he knew firsthand that the FBI could end up looking really bad in all of this. As if they don't already look like crap, right? Because they do. What needs to happen is the federal government, top to bottom, needs to be gutted like a fish. And when I say a fish, I mean gutted like a carp. And turned into cat food or fertilizer. Now, obviously, you can't eliminate the military, and ultimately, you're not going to be able to eliminate the FBI or any of these other bogus things. But what you can do is get these things focused on their mission. You know, as long as you have tens of thousands of federal laws in a federal crime code, you're going to need to have an FBI. Now, the obvious answer is you trim down a federal crime code down to what is, in essence, the only thing that the feds should be involved in, which is interstate crime and international crime, where all the murders and kidnappings unless they cross state lines and even then I'm not sure how directly involved the FBI needs to be as opposed to states actually working together. You could simply say that states will, you know, state um, uh, law enforcement will work together for those interstate issues and you could completely get rid of the FBI. Military is another problem and, and, and you see the memes all the time if you're on Facebook about how, you know, China is teaching its soldiers every day how to, as Rush Limbaugh put it, uh, when, when he talked about what was the goal of the military, was to kill people and break things. You know, while China is teaching its military to do that, ours is teaching ours, our military, how to not misgender somebody and how there is no objective, I don't wanna say truth here, but, but the fact that there are actual biological differences between the sexes which may determine whether or not you want women to be involved in infantry style combat. I mean, there are stressors that are involved um, that men and women react to stress differently that, I don't even know how much 
even when physical strength is not an issue, like if you're piloting a plane or even piloting a drone. But you don't relax your standards so that you can have women in an infantry unit if they're not going to be able to carry their buddy out. And by the way, conversely, if, if, if a man can't carry his buddy out, then, you know, maybe you need to rethink your, uh, your, your uh, physical training, fitness training. But you certainly don't need to make it a social experiment. The military simply serves to kill people and break things. And you need a cohesive force for that. One that's not muddled down by, by proper pronouns, by um, choosing its leadership based on the intersectional grid, but rather by a pure meritocracy. We'll pick up more tomorrow. But for tonight, just as a reminder, my life matters. Does yours? It's the Snake River Loop. Good night.